Is everybody? Good. All right. Can everyone please grab their phones and their hands? Wave it in the air. Show me. Wave it in the air. Turn it so the screen is facing away from you. And then put it in the pew in front of you. Put it in the pew in front of you. Very good. So that means there should be no phones. How good would that be? Excellent. So, welcome to Restore. It's great to be with you tonight. Uh, We're going to be continuing our our look at Genesis, the first book of the Bible tonight. We're going to be looking at Genesis 4. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read a bit of Genesis 4, and then we're going to begin. Now, I think it will come up on the screen. Can we make that happen? Wow, how good. Genesis 4, we're going to go from verse 2 to verse 12. It says, Eve gave birth to his brother... Sorry. Uh, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said... With the help of the Lord, I brought forth man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruit, some of the fruits of the soil, as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but on Cain and his offerings, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the grounds. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Here ends the reading. So Genesis 4 uh, brings us to a point where sin is starting to ruin everything. So as we've been looking at Genesis, we've been looking at how God created the world how God made mankind in his own image. Then we looked at how God had intended his relationship with us to be like. What did he actually want it to be like? And then last week, Sam talked to us about how humans messed it up so bad. They completely stuffed it up by rebelling against God. We wanted to go our own way, with ourselves as our own king. And so Adam and Eve, it says, they're thrown out of the garden. They're not with God anymore. They can't be in God's presence, it says. And that brings us to this week, as we look at chapter 4 of Genesis. We see another huge fallout of humanity's rebellion against God. We're starting to see the effects of sin and what it does to the world. It distorts our relationship. 
it brings up all sorts of horrible things. Broken families, pride, anger, jealousy, and today, murder. Murder. So, what happens here? Adam and Eve, they're living outside the garden, and Adam, um, Eve sorry, gives birth to a son called Cain, her firstborn son. Then later on, she gives birth to another son called Abel. Now, Cain is meant to be a good, caring, protective older brother. He's meant to protect and to build up and lift up his younger brother, but it all goes horribly wrong, doesn't it? As they grow up, uh, Cain starts to grow fruit and other produce. That's kind of what he did for work. Uh, it says in verse 2 that he works the soil, whereas Abel took care of the flocks of sheep. That makes him like a shepherd, right? He took care of the sheep and the lambs. Now, in the Old Testament, we see God's people offering sacrifices to God. That might be a bit weird for us, but it was a way of the people in the Old Testament to commit themselves to God, showing that they were committed to him, and it was also a way for God's people to have their sins forgiven before Jesus' ultimate sacrifice for us. So Cain and Abel, they offer sacrifices to God. Cain offers a sacrifice of some of his produce, it says, the fruits and the grains, whereas Abel offers a sacrifice of the best, fattiest portions from his flock of sheep and lambs, the firstborn. It tells us that God liked Abel's offering, but God did not like Cain's offering. Now, we're going to look at why a bit later. So Cain, what happens? He gets super duper angry, right? He is so enraged. His pride has been shattered and he is really jealous. So he comes up with a terrible plot. He lures Abel out to the field. He says, come on, Abel, let's go out for a walk. It'll be very peaceful, Abel. And when Abel is least expecting it, Cain, his older brother, attacks him and kills him as they've gone for a walk together out in the field. It's quite the adventure with your brother, isn't it? Cain attacks his own brother, Abel, and kills him. Now, God says to Cain, where's your brother Abel? Now, God obviously knows what's happened. He's God, right? He knows what's happened. But he wants Cain to admit it. And Cain replies to God. He says, I don't know, God. Am I my brother's keeper? Like, God, why are you asking me where my brother is? I don't know. He lies to God, and he actually makes kind of a joke at God. Am I my brother's keeper? Why should I know where he is? Make your own inquiries, God. Sin is well and truly established in Cain's mind and in the mind of humanity, even right here in the beginning from Genesis 4. The curse on the world that Sam talked about last week has well and truly taken over our souls. That's the story of Cain and Abel, of the first murder, as it known. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't the last. And we still see that kind of horrible sin and the way it affects our world today. Now, there's one main thing that this passage shows us, and it's just how far sin has infiltrated our world and our minds right after Adam and Eve messed up when they disobeyed God. Sin has destroyed our relationships, our families. It's messed up how we're meant to think. It produces anger, jealousy, pride, 
all these horrible things. It produced all those things in Cain, clearly because he went to kill his brother. But it also does that to us today, right? Sin produces those thoughts in your mind today. And we're still living in that terrible, that horrible world that Cain was living in. The same world where Cain killed his brother. That's the world we're living in today. Where families are torn apart, where we hurt each other instead of caring and loving for each other. Where we are angry, jealous and proud instead of loving for each other and building each other up. Where we try to deceive God instead of worshipping him and being truthful for him. All those things that Cain did affect us now. That's the main thing we see in this passage, that sin ruins everything. Both in the world of Adam and Eve, after they leave the garden, but also in our world today. Sin ruins everything. Now what we're going to do now, we're going to look at three main things that I think we can learn from this story. How can this story affect how we live? And how can this story affect our relationship with God? Right? So those three things are, we should be like Abel. The second one is, don't be like Cain. And the third one is looking forward to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice. Okay? So the first one, now when you get to your small groups, I want you guys to be able to recite these three. I think you can do it. They're really not that hard. So the first one, be like Abel. Everyone say it after me. Be like Abel. Okay, very good. So, be like Abel. Uh, When I was in Hawaii in 2019, sorry, a bit of a COVID flex. Yes, I was overseas. Um, My wife and I, um, we went to this awesome restaurant called Cheeseburger in Paradise. It was just as it sounded. It was amazing, right? Right on the beach. Now, we had decided between ourselves that when we went on our honeymoon, we were not going to care what we ate. Right, we'd done that leading up to our wedding. We're just going to eat whatever sounded amazing on the menu. So we're looking at the menu at this place, and we saw the most amazing dish. It sounded amazing, right? It was a loaded fries, so fries with seasoning, topped with pulled pork, topped with bacon, topped with aioli, smoky barbecue sauce, and three types of melted cheeses. It, like, we looked at that, we looked at each other, we're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, right? So, we ordered it, of course, that and a few cocktails. And when it arrived on our table, what had looked amazing on the menu was severely disappointing to look at. Right? It was kind of chucked in a bowl with no care whatsoever, like a sloppy hot mess in front of us. Like, or it wasn't nicely presented at all. Right? So we we're like, ah, oh, this thing on the menu, but then we got it in person and it kind of sucked. Looked sucked, sucked, but like we paid for it, right? We better eat it. The good thing was when we ate it, it tasted as amazing as it had been written on the menu. It was so so, so good, right? Hot chips and like the, like the small fries, kind of like Macca's fries but better. Pulled pork, bacon. I'm drooling, right? It's so good. Even though it looked terrible, it still tasted amazing, right? Well, with Cain and Abel, they were definitely not eating pork, we can probably expect. But Cain, right, he produced grains 
and fruits and things from the ground, didn't he? So when he brought an offering to God, it probably looked kind of nice, right? Fruits, grains, vegetables maybe, maybe in a little basket brought to God. But when Abel brought his sacrifice, what was it? It was a lamb, a dead portion of lamb. It would have been bloody, gross. There wasn't fridges, so maybe a bit smelly by that point with some flies around it. But did God like the offering that looked nice? No, he liked the offering of Abel. You see, God didn't care what the offering looked like. He didn't care what the offering looked like. He cared what the heart of the person who offered it was. He cared about the heart of the offerer of the offering. Right? He cared about their motivations, their their intentions behind the offering. So we may fool other people, but we can never, ever fool God. He sees and knows all things. Though both Abel and Cain came before the presence of God and brought something to offer to him, we can see which of them had the willing heart to give. We may obey God, but if our hearts are not with him or not right with him, our efforts are in vain. God cares about the heart. God knows every intention and motivation you have. He's not pleased when we offer something to him while we complain and murmur at the back of our minds. Therefore, we should pray to God that he will give us the right heart before we offer our lives to him. God cares about the heart. Now, in Genesis 4, we're not explicitly told why God liked Abel's offering instead of Cain's, right? But in the New Testament, in a book called Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews explains it to us. Hebrews 11 says this, By faith, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. By faith, it says. By faith, Abel brought a better offering. When we sacrifice our lives to God, as we should, we should make sure our hearts are in the right place. We shouldn't hide or conceal things from God. And we should have faith in God and what he can do and not in our own efforts. Not in what we can do for God, but in what he can do. So, The first thing, be like Abel. God cares about your heart and cares about your faith. That's what he really cares about, not about how good the things are you offer to him. God cares about your heart. Okay, the second thing, don't be like Abel. Everyone say it with me. Don't be like Abel. Wait, Cain. We'll do that again. Don't be like Cain. Wow, that was embarrassing. Okay. Do not be like Cain. Cain bad, Abel good. So, firstly, Cain has the wrong heart when he came to God. He did not give God what he wanted, and it seems in the passage that he didn't give God the best part of his crop. You'll see in the passage, when Abel talks about the offering, when when it describes Abel's offering, it talks about the fattened and the firstborn amongst his flock. He got the best of the best of the best and said, here you go, God. 
But for Cain, there's no such description. He just got some of his crops and said, oh, this will do. I'll give this to God, right? It seems that he gave God second best. And that's a reflection of where his heart is. Jesus says, wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be also, right? So for Cain, his heart wasn't in the right place. And so he wasn't bothered with giving God the best of his crop. He gave God second best. And so we looked at just a few moments ago how God cares about the heart more than he cares about what we offer him. And so it's not that Cain offered second best, it's that his heart behind that offering was that he thought that God wasn't very important. That's not the attitude that we should have. So do you have your heart in the right place? Are you serving God because you love him or because you want to show off? Are you serving God because a girl might think you're cool or because you love God, right? We need to come to God with the correct heart that wants to serve him because of who he is, not because of who we are. Okay, that's the first thing we can learn from Cain. The second thing is we can learn about sin from Cain. Now, after God does not look favorably on Cain, Cain has an option to make, right? Something's gone bad for him but he hasn't yet killed his brother. Something's gone bad for him, but he hasn't yet killed his brother. There's a few events that happen in between those things, right? And so God says to him, it says at verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God knows what's going to happen if Cain lets sin rule over him. So he is imploring Cain, do not let sin rule over you. But what does Cain do? He lets sin rule over him. He gets angry, jealous, prideful, and he resolves to lead Abel out to a field and to murder him. Cain, when he let his sin rule over him, it ruined everything, didn't it? It ruined everything. His sin built up so much in his heart that he murdered his own brother. He murdered his own brother. So we need to resist our sin. We need to not let it rule over us. We need to kill and slay our sin so we can live for God with hearts that want God and not want things in this world. Now, if you don't control your sin in your life, it's going to have disastrous consequences for you too, just like it does for Cain. The wages of sin is death, Paul says in Romans. The wages of our sin, what, our, what the outcome of our sin is in our life is death, just like it was for Cain. Following Jesus means turning your life around and walking the other direction. We say no to sin and we go the other way. That's what following Jesus is about. So, the second thing is, do not be like Cain. So we've got the first one, be like Abel. Don't be like Cain. The last thing we can learn from this is that God had a plan to save us from this steaming hot mess right from the beginning. And that was Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lamb of God. So in this story, we see Abel bringing to God the very first offering in the Bible. Cain and Abel bring the very first offering. And what does Abel bring? 
What does he bring? Starts with L. Yell it out. A lamb, doesn't he? The fattiest firstborn amongst his flock. He brings a lamb to God. And God looked on favor on that sacrifice, Sydney. He says he looked at favor on that sacrifice. Now, later on, if you guys know your Bibles really well, you know that the Israelites, God's people, were stuck in Egypt and they were slaves there. But God had a rescue plan for them, didn't he? God had a rescue plan. He said, I'll lead you away. I'm going to get rid of all the Egyptians, but all you need to do is get a lamb, kill it, and paint its blood on your door, which is a bit, bit gross, right? I reckon it smell, but they didn't care because they were leaving, right? So firstly, for Abel, it was a lamb for one man. Later on, it was a lamb for one family at the Passover when the Israelites left Egypt, when God rescued them, right? It was a lamb that saved them. Now, later on, when God's people have their own country, one day a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go and he would sacrifice animals to God to save the sins of his people. Now, all these things, Abel's, the Israelites in Egypt, and the Israelites when they were in their own country in Israel, was just a tiny shadow of the ultimate plan that God had right from the beginning in Genesis. It was just a shadow, right, of the tiny plan that God had. It says in the New Testament that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Finally, with Jesus, he is the one Lamb, and he took, John says, he took away the sins of of the whole world with his one sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God, with his sacrifice for us on the cross, took away the sins of the whole world. With Abel, one man. In Egypt, one family. In Israel, for one nation. And with Jesus, the sins of the whole world. Right from the beginning in Genesis 4... God has a plan to fix the mess and the brokenness of sin in the world. Right in the midst of murder, anger, pride, when we're rebelling against God, God had a plan to fix it. God had a plan to fix it. He was going to save the whole world, not through one lamb, a physical lamb, an actual animal that Abel gave, but through the lamb of God, Jesus, on the cross. And when we understand that God had a plan for a sin right from the beginning, from Genesis 4, we should be in awe, I think, of God. And we should worship him and praise him. We should make our lives a living sacrifice to him, it says in the New Testament. And lastly, we should join his rescue plan. We should believe in Jesus' sacrifice for us. His sacrifice as the Lamb of God. It says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus, the Lamb of God, offered himself up for you, you don't have to worry about the mess of sin that we see in this chapter in Genesis 4 and also in our lives today. In Hebrews, it says, when Abel offered a lamb, God looked upon it in favor. 
and it was credited to him as righteousness. It says it was credited to him as righteousness. That means that he was made right with God because of that. And us too, if we believe in Jesus' sacrifice as the Lamb of God for us, it'll be credited as righteousness for us as well. We're going to be made right with God, and the whole mess of sin and brokenness is going to go away. Right? So when you get to your groups, the big idea is that sin ruins everything, and we need a fix. And the three things we looked at, be like Abel. God cares about the hearts. Have your hearts in the right place. God cares about faith. Have faith in him, not in yourself. Don't be like Cain was our second thing. Don't let sin rule over you, and don't have a heart like Cain where you give God second best, where you don't really care. And the third thing is look forward to when Jesus is going to come back and when sin and brokenness is going to be no more because God had a plan right from the beginning to save us from the mess, and that was Jesus, the Lamb of God. I hope you can remember those things when you get to your groups. We're going to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much that although we rebel against you, although we want to be the boss of our own lives, that you had a plan right from the beginning to save us, not through an actual animal, but through your son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, when he shed his blood as a sacrifice for us. Thank you so much for that. Lord, please help us in our hearts to respond to that, to respond to what Jesus has done for us. Please help our hearts to be in the right place and to not give you second best, but to follow you and love you and serve you with our whole hearts and with the best of what we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.